long, long ago, abandoned New Orleans swept the city off its feet. But it wasn't a New Orleans band. It was Mexican. It's sort of this mythical thing. This, like, band comes to New Orleans from Mexico, and they've got military brass instruments, and, you know, it gets pinpointed as, like, the beginning of something, which is really interesting. Interesting, because nearly 150 years have gone by, and jazz musicians like my friend Byron Asher are still talking about this one band. It's just sort of this thing that everyone just kind of knows about. It gets referenced, but, like, I don't really know much more past that. I mean, it's kind of like a legend. This is Tripod, New Orleans at 300. I'm Lane Kaplan-Levinson. It's 1884, and New Orleans is celebrating an anniversary, not the tricentennial, duh. The 100th anniversary of the first shipment of U.S. cotton to Europe, which went to London in 1784. Eric Seaforth is a historian at the Historic New Orleans Collection. He says back then, New Orleans hosts the World's Industrial and Cotton Centennial Exposition because the city is trying to highlight itself as the center of the New South. The Civil War destroyed the South's agricultural and slave economy. So now, New Orleans and the South are trying to say, hey, we're back in business. We're modern. But we're also still celebrating cotton. So you have this interesting dichotomy of New Orleans and the South trying to figure out kind of its identity and argue that it's, it's looking towards the future, but at the same time, it's kind of still ro- very much rooted in the past. The Cotton Expo takes over Audubon Park for six months. It's like a world's fair, and countries from all over come to show off what they've got and strike deals. And the largest exhibitor... is Mexico. Their area is as large as Great Britain's, France, Portugal, and Spain put together. Mexico's military dictator Porfirio Diaz saw the expo as a massive PR campaign and a great way to encourage American investment. And it makes sense because a million people show up to this thing. The main draw? The music. New Orleans was already known for its music. You know, it was an exceptional moment. Alfred Lemon of the historic New Orleans collection says, I hate to uh, almost paraphrase the sound of music, but the bayous were alive with the sound of music. (laughs) Yeah, he just said that. The bayous were alive with the sounds of music, classical, opera, brass. And then suddenly, this Mexican band shows up, the 8th Cavalry Mexican Military Band. And all the local musicians are like, wait, these guys can shred. It was such a good band. Jack Stewart is a musician and a music historian and one of a handful of people who actually knows about the 8th Cavalry Mexican Military Band. It had the ability to outshine the New Orleans bands, and New Orleans bands looked at it and thought, hey, this is a good band. We better practice more. It was just an extraordinary moment. You're listening to Tripod, New Orleans at 300. I'm Lane Kaplan-Levinson. And this band is about 70 members. 
um, I think 76 members, so it's a large group. Are In the vault of the historic New Orleans collection, Eric pulls out one of the only photographs that exists of the band. It's an amazing photo. They're standing underneath a huge oak tree on the grounds of the fair, and they're looking pretty, pretty impressive. And they're wearing their military dress uniforms, which are these kind of dark blue or black um, uniforms with some ornamental buttons down the front, and they've got caps on to... They're holding every brass instrument you can imagine. Tubas, cornets. Um, There are some saxophones, there are trombones. um, And they play those instruments so well. But hold up, let's take a step back for a second and realize where we are in music history. I asked Jack Stewart, so, okay, 1884, where is jazz at this point? Jazz is about 30 years in the future. Wow. So jazz does not exist. No, jazz does not exist. And neither does recorded music. I want to play you something from the 8th Cavalry Band, but I can't. So what were they playing? They're playing this music that's very popular in the city, and then while doing that, they jump into this music that they are writing that is Mexican. Like Roses and Thorns and Over the Waves, things like that. And Over the Waves really came on big and turned into a huge hit. Over the Waves, a.k.a. Sobre las Olas. Right now you're probably thinking, huh, I don't know that song. But you do. Well, I can remember being five years old or younger and hearing it. And can you sing it? What? Can you sing it? How does it go? Sound familiar now? You've heard this song at the circus because almost every flying trapeze artist does their routine to over the waves. Why? I have no idea. That's for an entirely different episode. But that's how you know it. It's all coming back to you now, right? Well, at this fair with the 8th Cavalry Band in New Orleans, that's the first time Americans are hearing this song. So that was written by a Mexican composer in Mexico? Yes. And then played here? Yes. So a huge brass band comes to a music town, plays all the city's favorite hits, and then they slip in their own stuff, and people just lose it. If you're looking through the newspaper accounts of what's going on day by day, the city, at least the writers, the journalists, are kind of obsessed. Eric reads me a newspaper clipping from February 6th, 1884 in the Daily Picayune. There has never been a band which has taken such hold on the affections of the people of New Orleans, not only on account of its artistic ability, but of the individual and social qualifications of its members. It didn't take them very long, right? That's eight, nine weeks, and the city has fallen in love with them. I'm imagining the first time the Beatles played the Ed Sullivan show. Okay, okay, maybe it wasn't that crazy, but maybe it was. Some days, the Mexican band is playing twice. They play a morning program and an afternoon program, uh, and there are some weeks where they play essentially every day. People can't get enough, and they want to keep hearing the music once they go home. But remember, there are no recordings of music yet, so you can't go buy the record or CD or find it on Spotify. The only way to hear it again is to literally learn how to play the music yourself. So you consume popular music through sheet music. 
the Mexican sheet music produced here was incredibly popular, so popular to keep producing more and more and more of it. A guy named Junius Hart was one of the biggest music publishers at the time. And once the 8th Cavalry Band showed up, he started feverishly publishing their music. People bought that music and learned how to play it on the piano themselves. That's the only way they could listen to the new smash hit, Over the Waves. Junius Hart claimed he sold over 200,000 copies. It's hard to deny that a musical event of this nature with a band this popular wouldn't have impacted popular music and impacted a lot of the musicians who maybe became or were involved with that first generation of, of jazz players. Um, Did these Mexican bands influence New Orleans jazz? Because that's going to be, that's going to, no, that's going to be the blow someone's mind. Uh, I think it's better to say that this event and the Mexican band influenced New Orleans music. Um, and that next step is, is obvious, is that, you know, jazz is a New Orleans music. This 8th Cavalry Mexican band was integral to early jazz, along with a lot of other types of music, like opera, classical, brass, African, Cuban, Haitian. When New Orleans musicians were exposed to the Mexican band, it added another new layer of sound. And after the expo, New Orleans kept inviting the band back over and over again. And they came. They came back for multiple performances, knowing they would always be welcome and celebrated in the city. So, you know, I texted you because I'm doing this story about the 8th Cavalry Mexican band. I took this story back to my friend Byron Asher, the jazz musician who had heard the legend of the Mexican band, but probably because there are no recordings of that band, didn't know the backstory and definitely never heard them play. That's really interesting. I really want to know what it sounded like. I'd like to see that sheet music. So we searched for the sheet music online and Byron found Over the Waves. The original. The original published by Junius Hart. Then he pulled out his clarinet. You know what's really cool? What you just did is exactly what like thousands of people did after they heard the band. Totally, yeah, totally. They were like, oh man, I wanna hear that again. I guess I'm gonna have to go home and play it on the piano. <laughs> Which is wild. That's some like two over three. And just like it was 1884, Byron nerded out to yeah. some Mexican jams. That's actually like, that's hip as <laughs> Tripod is a production of WWNO New Orleans Public Radio in collaboration with the Historic New Orleans Collection and the Midlow Center for New Orleans Studies at UNO. Special thanks to Evan Christopher for the opening theme music, to the entire Tripod editorial committee, to Tripod's editor Eve Abrams, and to Tripod's intern Christy Lorio. Until next time, I'm Lane Cup and Levinson, and I'll Tripod you later. <laughs> <laughs>